Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies. I'm so excited to have Deborah Pascali Bonaro on. Um, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm the founder and director at Prenatal Yoga Center. So before I start to open the conversation with Deborah, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of her background. It's pretty amazing. So I'll just read her bio. So Deborah Pascali Bonaro is the founder and president of Pain to Power Childbirth Experience, director of the award-winning documentary Orgasmic Birth, The Best Kept Secret, and co-writer of Orgasmic Birth, Your Guide to a Safe, Satisfying, and Pleasurable Birth, all of which explore the intimate and sacred nature of birth. Deborah is an inspirational international speaker, chair of the International Mother-Baby Childbirth Initiative, advisor of human rights in childbirth and ICA. Deborah's passion comes from her years as a Lamaze International Childbirth Educator and birth and postpartum doula trainer with Donut International, where she has worked with women, men, midwives, doula, and physicians in over 30 countries, bringing comfort, love, and pleasure to birth and life. Wow, that is quite the background. <laughs> thank you. So impressive. So, Deborah, again, thank you so much for being here and welcome to my podcast. So the first thing I want to talk about, um, as a Lamaze teacher and a doula, a lot of what you teach really resonates with me. And I feel like, again, as we mentioned, we have a, actually a couple of mutual friends. Um, and so I feel like I've heard a lot of your philosophies. So can you talk a, lot, a bit about the pain to power philosophy, as in case those that don't know it are unfamiliar? Sure, I'd be happy to. I think that, and I'm sure you share this probably on many other podcasts too, that currently today we're seeing a real rise in fear in childbirth mm -hmm. all over the world. And I believe the media has played a part in that and mm -hmm. also a disconnect from knowing our stories of birth from great-grandmothers and grandmothers at a time that birth was done in the context of a good support system and really having options of women up and moving and dancing and honoring. And with this kind of look and lack of information and look at birth as just painful, mm -hmm. we've actually lost a lot of our power as women in birth because fear just strips you of power, right? It immobilizes you. And fear tends to lead to more pain. Mm -hmm. So we talk about pain more and then we get more afraid. And it's what we call that fear, tension, pain cycle that was identified years ago by Grantley Dick Reed. And so I thought like years ago, we have to really start moving away from pain. Not that it's not there and we want to honor it, some births include it, but we can bear our pain and in many cases move to pleasure and joy and ecstasy and we can hold all of those different emotions while still being in our power as women, as decision makers, as birthing in our own way. So pain to power for me is both the language of birth, but it's also the underlying philosophy of deeply connecting into what I call our her story, the women before us, the traditions around the world, and what the latest science tells us, and bringing that all together each in our own unique way and in our power. 
I love that. In fact, recently I've been starting when I do, I do a lot of childbirth education with just couples one-on-one and I've been starting off with just asking them to do a little writing exercise of what is your perception of birth and what's your image? And I think a lot, and as you mentioned, social media, movies, um, and the stories we're told. Oops, I think I lost that. So I have them also talk a bit about um, what are the birth stories they've heard. And I think that's a real a real influence because if we hear from our mothers or grandmothers, oh, I had a great birth, or birth was crazy scary, that's what we're going to carry with us. So I, I really love what you're saying about that. Thank you for sharing that so eloquently. So kind of going back to the idea that we have a few mutual friends, as I was watching one of your videos, it was funny, I heard you say, this great couple, Naomi and Isaac, and I thought, oh, it's funny, I know a Naomi and Isaac, and all of a sudden, there was Naomi, my <laughs> friend. <laughs> so I asked her permission to talk about this, um, and what she said was really fascinating. She was mentioning that you know, she'd only met you or talked to you the day before you became her doula, which, what a blessing she had to have you as her doula. And she meant for me to be with her. She's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, she's really a special person. And she talked to me a bit about the presence that you brought to the room and how you helped her being a grounded person. And that even though the contractions were quite intense, uh, she felt she was able to surrender to it, that there really wasn't fear. Um, I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about that as well as kind of how you work with the women when you work one on one with them. Yeah, and thank you. And, you know, it was so wonderful. As you said, I only met Naomi really in phone calls. Like, we didn't physically meet in person until her and Isaac were in labor. And it's so amazing because we really know as doulas that we're really there. We use the term and a lot of people go, what does that mean? Like we're holding space, right? Where for those that work with energy, we're really working with the energy in the room, not only of the mother baby, but everyone's present springs in energy and creating kind of the calm, the confidence, and really getting the fear out. Mm-hmm. Because if the mother has fear, we know her labor will be longer and harder. And if the father, if the midwife, if the doctor, I mean, anybody in the room who has fear, our emotions are really permeable. They really pass on to other people. So it was wonderful as a doula to kind of come in and be able to connect on an energy level of where are people and what can we do? to help them move to that calm confidence and that. And Naomi and Isaac were so beautiful because although she might say that she had some fear, I would have to say, having been with many, many women, that her fear level, like on a scale of one to 10, was quite on the low end. She didn't think. She thought having you there actually removed the fear. Even though the the contractions were really hard, she didn't feel scared, except towards the end a little bit, yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like hers was so minimal. Right. And then if I was able to remove whatever was there already, that that was great. But really what it is, I think, too, is coming in and really knowing ourselves. Right. Knowing birth. Mm -hmm. I think that we have to stand in a place of absolute belief and confidence that birth works. Right. And then we can be that grounded rock, you know, think Mm -hmm. about other times in your life, right? Where if you're having any kind of like doubts, and even if you feel good, if someone to doubt, then we often swing to doubt, right? Because we'll be influenced by those around us. So as a doula, I 
have, I know birth works, right? Hundreds and hundreds of births, um, babies come out. And so I was able to really be a presence. But if you watch the videos, right, that we have of the birth, a lot of that is not only through I, and I always say hand to hand, heart to heart, but literally like head to head, Mm -hmm. uh, just touch in a way that that touch was grounding. Mm -hmm. And I could feel from her very early on that touch was safe, touch was grounding. That's not true for everybody, right? We have to honor, we all have different ways that we want someone to be present for us and hold that energy of love, of confidence, of belief. And if we have fear to chew it away. So I love being a doula. Um, Because I love that every person and every birth is unique, which means that there's not a single way I'm going to be, but it's a general philosophy. And I'm going to find how I can bring that philosophy into a way that meets each woman's and men's beliefs, values, and process. Yeah, it's really showing up where they are and not having your own personal agenda. So you talked about the fear. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So do you have suggestions for women if they are coming at it with a lot of fear? I always suggest to women and their partners to think about it ahead of time. Um, I learned that early in my doula career when I was like, what's going on? And then later I realized there was a tremendous fear. So what can you suggest to women to take the time to sit with it? And then if fear comes up, how, how to process that? Yeah, really important because fear is that elephant in the room, right? Um, one, I think you the way you started, connect to what your beliefs and values are around birth. Where have you received your information? And write down what are the fears that might have come from stories from your own birth, from your great-grandmother's birth, from your girlfriend's birth, and look them in the eye. Are they really valid fears? Because if they're valid, then we have to dig deeper into them. But I find when we really make a list of fears, a lot of them are misinformation, are not really knowing the full story. Um, are things the media might have hyped up that have no relevance, you know, water breaking, because we use a language of breaking, it sounds terrible, but it's a natural process. And if we change the language to water releasing, that can alleviate fear if that was a fear for someone. So first, it's really looking at what are our fears, where do they come from? And I love truly writing them down and sorting out which are the ones we really have to focus on, because we all do have valid fears that we need to go deeper with. Once we identify which ones those are, then break them out into I see a lot of it sometimes is information, Um, a good childbirth class, a great doula, um, you know, having the right caregiver, birthing in the right place can be part of it. But sometimes our fears go a lot deeper because we birth the way we live and we often face challenges in life. And we often bring those same things that have been challenges as life as fears and challenges in childbirth. And then I say to people, that's where you need to decide if you need to go on and what modality will help you heal. 
again, we use different modalities. There are birth therapists that literally, if the fears are really strong and entrenched, will work with you. Sometimes it's body work. Mm -hmm. Um, Body work is great. And yoga, I mean, just what you teach, right? When we move our bodies, I teach journey dance which is yoga movement. And so it's that philosophy, too, that our emotions are seated in our body. And sometimes going through different ways of movement will release them. So I think that there are many things, and I really encourage everyone listening to be in a good childbirth class because your childbirth educator can also really help you to which modalities resonate with you and go deeper because fear will make labor longer, harder, more painful, and more likely to have a cesarean. And the data is strong on that now, that the more fear you go into birth with, the harder it will be. And that's not to say they won't pop their little heads up in the middle of labor. And that's why you want to be surrounded with people that hold a belief in you and can help you in labor to release those fears. So I'm staying with the idea of fear because I think it's a very huge topic, an important one. What if a woman, so maybe the mom has a lot of confidence in herself. She took the time. She did the homework. She looked at the skeletons in the closet. But other people in the room are carrying that fear. And I always think I have certain terms in my head, like circling the wagon. That's In my mind, that's like getting around the mom and giving her safety. But what if her support team, maybe the partner or even the doctor, not that they usually have a lot of fear because they do it so much, but, or a care provider, what if there's just fear in the room? How does, what does she do then? Yeah. And this is something, one, the mother shouldn't be thinking about the other people, right? Because she's got her own journey, but that is the role I think of the doula is to really look around. And I just have to share a story because for me, it so hit it on the head. I was out with Robbie Davis Floyd, a wonderful Mm. um, medical anthropologist, and we were meeting with midwives throughout Mexico and attending births with them, traditional midwives, and Robbie was following up on research she had done about traditional midwives. And in one of the births, the labor was taking a little bit longer. And so the midwife really was looking at the mother, you know, body, mind, and spirit, and checking in if there was a fear, what was the reason, was something holding the mother back? And she felt pretty confident that the mother, there was nothing holding her back. So she immediately went to the next level. She looked at all of us that were in that room and was like, who's holding her back? Are you afraid? And the other thing she made us do is if you had your hair like you do up Uh or braided, it had to come down. If you had shoes on that were tied, you had to untie them. And the windows had to be open (laughs) because she said that even the symbols around us of closure could be holding the mother back. And by making us open even our shoelaces and our hair and the windows, she also called to us to really each person in that room check in because fear does pass. If you're ever in a room and someone comes in and they're angry, we all feel it. Mm-hmm. And they're afraid. We feel it. So that midwife, I remember standing there and thinking, wow, could you imagine walking into an American hospital and if a labor's taking long, looking around the room and saying, take your hair out, <laughs> shoes, and who of you is feeling afraid or not sure? You need to get out of here and take a walk and come back in when you can believe in her and believe in birth. So 
with that, I've carried that for years with me now as a doula in really bringing that into education, into prenatal classes, um, and as a doula, looking around that room. And, you know, I never want to ask a partner to leave, um, maybe a soon-to-be grandmother, a sister, um, but sometimes I'll get the mother in the bathroom and whisper in her ear and say, are you feeling that the energy of everyone here is helping you? Is there anyone whose energy might be holding you back? Because we could ask them to go, I'm hungry. They could go get me a sandwich. I'd love a coffee. And how often, right? You know this too. When you have a gut, it's almost always right. And then their response in the bathroom is, oh, thank you. Oh, just like get them out of here for 20 minutes. It'll feel so good. And rather than ask them to leave, I send them on a scavenger hunt. Yeah, I usually and- do that. That's a, You don't usually think of it as the fear, but I've seen the mom feel uncomfortable. Maybe it's like a, a mother or a mother-in-law, a sister or whoever. We send them to get stuff. That's really yeah. important. In <laughs> quotes, really important. <laughs> right. Pink, pink slippers instead of the blue ones, right? It can be anything, but people, I often find too, don't you, that when people really know that their energy is not um, 100% comfortable in some way, that when you ask them to get something, they too almost seemed relieved to take that break and do something that's productive in their mind, but not physically be present for that time. Oh, this is just such great information, especially because we have a lot of new doulas that listen and, and a lot of moms that are hearing this because this is really important stuff. So I want to talk a little bit. So I can't believe you've been a birth worker for about 30 years. Is that right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. So, you know, each birth is different, although there are similarities. Are there still any surprises that you see or learn either from the moms or care providers or through your travels? Always surprises because birth is I call it an everyday miracle, right? It's a miracle every time. But yes, I mean, one, as much as I feel in a labor that I kind of have a sense what's happening, you know, you never know, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the first time mother and it's amazing. She has her baby in, in an hour and you just can't believe it. And she, I've been with women that never even call it pain. Like they're still smiling and their makeup's not even smudged <laughs> and they're like, you're like, really, you're having a baby. And then there are other people that, you know, it's their fifth baby and you think it's going to pop out and, you know, it's a two-day process for them. So there's always something that, you know, I'm just like, wow, like you never know what it will be. But I think the thing that's been surprising me the most in the last few years in traveling is that I've had a real opportunity. I work with, um, we call her Ibu, mother, Robin Lim in Bali, and in watching Robin really work in a birth center in Bali where she doesn't have at all the kind of standards and supplies and materials that we might have here in the U.S. So she's really working with heart and hands and incredible kind of midwifery wisdom and knowledge that she's gathered from so many, how much she can do mm-hmm. Um with heart and hands that we turned technology on. And I've seen this in many other places now as I'm traveling, and it's really heightened for me how much our caregivers that are in our facilities, our hospitals in the U.S., don't have access to that kind of knowledge and wisdom, and they're overusing interventions and underusing love, caring, comfort, um, some of these things that we – 
we've minimized and yet I'm seeing them truly be life-saving. And I mean life-saving in some cultures. Um, Robin has better outcomes with almost nothing than most of our hospitals do. So for me, that surprising fact is how much even women themselves have given themselves over to medicine and feel that safety resides in technology and not that technology doesn't save lives. It does. And I'm thankful that we have it. But I've really begun to learn how much we're off balance Mm -hmm. with too much technology and not enough other and how often it is the simple thing that turns that labor that seems stuck around that untying your shoes, that finding out what the fear or the emotion is to let go, or just truly loving her through labor that is switching and doing better than all our drugs. I'd love to see some of those less intervention births happen for those that want that. And it's interesting, and you're you're so on the same path. Recently, I just wrote um, an article about how women have feel like they have to ask permission to birth, and yet they also give their power to the care provider. I believe it was actually one of your friends, Robbie Floyd Davis, my pronouncing it right, who had a quote. It was called technocratic. Is that her new yeah. word of how we're valuing technology more than the person and That's just right. observing the woman can give you just as much. I mean, as a doula, as you know, we don't go in and do vaginal examples. I feel like I yeah. can get a sense of where a woman is at by looking and really looking into her sounds and her movement. And yet that's not valued as much as, you know, a machine telling us it's like that Monty Python, the machine that goes beep. I don't know if you've ever seen that skit. I love that. <laughs> Where they're not letting the woman's instinctual uh, empowerment come through, they're relying on machines. So do you think the U.S. birth trends may shift ever away from technology and embrace more of the human quality? I think they already are. I I really do believe we're right at that tipping point right now, and there already are both some providers and some facilities that are really realizing that, you know, we did a scientific experiment. We really made birth as medical as possible, (laughs) and we really have hit the wall, I think. Our outcomes are some of the worst anywhere in the world. For a country that spends the most on maternity care of any country in the world, we have some of the worst outcomes. We're losing more mothers every day, more babies. And when you consider what we call near misses, right, people that almost have really tragic outcomes but we save, um, then, then we're really you know, terrible. So I think that we're finally talking about it. We're finally saying you know, maybe we need to go back and balance. And I'm there yelling, yes, right? (laughs) Like, let me show you places around the world. As as you said, I chair the International Mother-Baby Childbirth Initiative, and I do get the benefit of seeing sites all over the world that are really using the best research, the latest science. And what that's telling us is it is that combination of heart hands and the backup of technology. And um, other countries are doing it, lower costs, better outcomes. And I think the most important thing is much more satisfied and power-filled mother-baby partner-family relationships because their power isn't stripped from them by technology. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection. Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. 
entrusted Hannah Quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. So do you think we need to start to instill, or how do we instill confidence in women and trust so that they don't feel they need the technology to make them feel better, that they can look to themselves and be like, I'm okay. I, I mean, we try to do it in class. We do it in childbirth education. You know, we're we're putting it out there, but I don't know how much is actually swallowed and how much women really do trust their bodies because we do rely on technology for so much. Do you have any so other? much. Well, what I would say is we need to really have the women that have positive pleasurable pleasurable and I like to use the word pleasurable because I think in our vocabulary of pain and fear we've left out joy bliss ecstasy Mm -hmm. transformation power there's a huge vocabulary that birth offers that most women don't even have a language for Mm -hmm. no less what that could be so I think we need to change the language I think we need all those women that feel those elements um, to be speaking up. And if you're pregnant, you need to seek those women. You need to get on YouTube and watch those stories. I hope people would watch our documentary, Orgasmic Birth, where we show you seven couples that really take their power back in birth and find pleasure. And there are so many tips. You know, a lot of people say, well, how could you have pleasure in a hospital? Well, yeah, most hospitals, it's hard because birth was never intended for you to lay on a back, on your back. I mean, laying down and staying still creates painful, longer labors. So we have to change the hospital. If I can just share with people, here's a hospital in Austria, and those that are listening might want to even close your eyes and see this, but you walk into a room and the first thing you see is a big wheel that looks like a swing. And you can literally sit and swing all around in it. And the middle of the room is wide open, but over on one wall, there's this double-sized wooden ladder. And behind the wooden ladder is a really thick foam mat, like high school, even thicker than a high school gym mat, not a yoga mat, but thick. Mm -hmm. So you could take that mat and put it in the middle of the room and you'd have this big open space. There are two different size balls over on one side and over in the other area there is a double jacuzzi that's like a really flowing shape. It's not just square and it's out a little bit into the room. It has a stool that can kind of, it's attached so it's embedded in. And you can move it wherever you need to get in and out. Hanging up right next to the tub is this beautiful cloth from the ceiling that you can hold and pull or you can open it up and put it around your shoulders and hold on and swing and sway. There is a birth stool in the room. There's windows looking out in a flower garden. And then over in the corner along the wall is a double bed. And that bed, though, actually is hinged so it can come out into the room if you wanted to use the bed or it can stay out of the way so all this space is available the lighting's on dimmers there's a place to plug in your mp3 player so you have music there's all different smells so you can have all different aromatherapy you have your own midwife who stays with you and you only see a doctor if you need higher level care and your midwife is a trained acupuncturist so acupuncture is from line for anything that might come up to help the labor go smoother and easier 
Is this now, standard? You, this is a hospital. But is this standard in all the it's, Austrian hospitals or is this pretty specialized? Actually, many of them are very similar to this. It's wow. not completely standard, but it's very similar. And many other European nations are going this way or have these kind of rooms. And when you go to childbirth class, it's called active birth classes because we talk about that you need to move to birth your baby but if you go back to that space if you enter that space and you can imagine that in your mind right now yeah what message are you getting from like the room? playground that's what i think like a birthing playground you, know, right. you can try this you can try this it's inviting you to try different movements of your body and shapes i love the the pulling from the ceiling i believe that really helps with pushing it really it's like a playground to me it seems wonderful right. <laughs> and so then when you can see that image and then you could say could birth be other than painful you can say yes mm -hmm. because you have a range of comfort in the typical american hospital i love to ask this question name 10 things for comfort in our hospital room well they don't always even have a pillow so um <laughs> Uh, some of them have a shower that usually if they're on full-time fetal monitoring, they're not even in the shower. Um, there's a narrow little bed. You can turn the lights off. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting pretty narrow there. <laughs> These are some bad paintings. Um, but yeah, I definitely, when I, when I was listening to that story of in visualizing that room, I was comparing it to most because I only do New York births, like the rooms I see here not the same feeling. So, and so I think when we get back to how can we change this, we have to get women and men to see that a whole different experience is available, but you have to birth in a whole different environment because what you're trying to do now is take a hospital bed and make it gymnastic equipment. And not that you can't do that and doulas are going to help you do that, but it's completely different than being in a room that's a playground, right? That has that kind of feeling that just everyone is on board with you, that birth is a amazing and powerful and you can do it. So we have a long way to go. And actually it's so simple. Like we're overspending that hospital bed is like $30,000. If you gave me $30,000, I could give you the room in Austria and probably save money. Right. So we have a way to go, but I think that until we start getting more positive, pleasurable births, people aren't hearing enough of those stories. So they, it's hard to believe what you don't hear or see. Right. So we need to continue to push the positive birth stories, positive images, try to steer them away from those shows on TV that are dramatic and overwhelming. And Don't watch them. Don't watch them. And I guess because we want the room, it's not going to be the playground, but we can encourage women to bring your birth ball, bring pictures, bring smells, make it your, your nest. That might be a, a good start. Do you have uh, any tips, for, other tips for pregnant women? There's little seeds that you always like to sprinkle in when, with your class, with your doulas. Yeah, I mean, the energy that gets the baby in gets the baby out, right? That famous quote from Ina Mae Gaskin. And I just feel that that is huge. And I think that we have to really look that the hormones of our sexuality are our hormones of birth. So to begin with, you know, look at your sexuality. I do so much work around this in pregnancy. And if it hasn't been healthy and whole, it's a time to heal it because birth is going to trigger some of those emotions. So we must really honor where we are in the connection to our body and our sexuality, make it 
heal it, enhance it in pregnancy, and then in birth, really be in environments that we feel we could be safe and we could have a loving experience. And to partners, you know how to love her, love her through labor, because you need to run those same hormones. So when we can see birth as an intimate event, as a sensual event, then we might think twice on what is the room like? Who are we inviting in? You know, and this is your birth. You know, the benefit when people do birth at home is if someone isn't treating them well, they tell them to get out. But we do in, in hospital birth give that over and hospitals sometimes don't respect us. They don't give us the privacy. They don't treat us the way that we both deserve and need to give birth. And so we have to really interview caregivers well and make sure that you're with a caregiver that's going to respect you and your wishes, and really give you options. This is reminding me of that uh, one graphic you have on your website about the time spent planning a wedding and the time spent planning a birth, because a lot of what I'm hearing you saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is it really, the birth is just one part of the whole experience. There's so much work finding the right care provider, I guess first sitting and deciding how the mom even foresees her birth and what she wants out of it, and then finding the care provider, and then looking at her fears, and then telling her partner what that is, and then making sure she understands all the pros and cons of the intervention. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But yet, a lot of work. But yet, as your wonderful graphic, oh, do you mind, since I didn't really explain, do you mind explaining what that graphic is? Yes. <laughs> It's really just saying, think about all the time that you would plan a wedding or maybe think of another very special day that some of you would be planning and you'd be choosing where and with whom and how it would all go, the menu and that. And if we would spend that amount of time in planning birth, we would really change it around, right? So spend as much time as any major event in choosing where. It is a major event. (laughs) Right. And what's on your menu? Like, really, I use the menu analogy a lot, too, because birth is a menu of options. And if your menu taste is Italian and you don't research and you end up with a caregiver in a facility that's serving Chinese food, <laughs> it's really disappointing. Yeah. I wish we had a Yelp for birth providers. That is a fantastic idea. <laughs> we should be trying to review that. I try. I always do have people that ask me for my opinion. I, I'm not going to say them all now, but I definitely steer people in with what I hear what they want. And so my, I'm my own personal Yelp for the New York yes. City area. Oh, I've so enjoyed talking to you, Deborah. Can you tell people where to find your workshops, your retreats, your online courses? Will you share that information? Oh, thank you. Well, my main website is orgasmicbirth.com, and that's just easy to remember. So if you go there, you can find the other sites, too, because on our homepage, we kind of interlink. But my other site that people might be interested in is is Pain to Power Childbirth, and it is an online childbirth class that's going to go deep into sensuality, sexuality, and guide you through all these choices. And then for those that are listening that want to be a doula or maybe are doula and would like to join me at advanced workshops or retreats around the world because I do a lot of retreats. That website is my name, DeborahPascaliBenaro.com, and I hope to meet you one place or another. And I do have to say, follow me on social media too. Orgasmic Birth is our Twitter hashtag. 
our Oberth on Facebook. So anyone listening that wants to tweet me out a comment or a thought, I'd love to hear from you. Yes, so many of our teachers at Prenatal Yoga Center have done their doula workshops with you and just rave and learn so much. And it's you're just so brilliant at what you do. And I'm so thankful that you gave me your time today. I really well, appreciate thank you, Deb. It was wonderful. And, you know, I, it was real pleasure. I look forward to being in person with you someday. I know. We got to figure that out. I can't believe after all these years, I feel like I'm run parallel with you. Yeah. <laughs> but we haven't had a chance to meet. Well, we'll figure that out because you're in New Jersey, right? Yes. I'm about to jump ship there in about a month. So we'll find a way. I know. Ah. That's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> okay. But we'll find a way to meet because I really enjoyed this so much. And I'll let you know when this goes on. And for our listeners, we're going to have all this information of Deborah. We can find her, all her social media in our show notes. So I guess we're going to sign off for now. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a pleasurable day. You too, too. Listeners, thank you guys so much for listening. It was just such a great pleasure. I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. And if you did enjoy this, please take a moment to go to iTunes or Stitcher, depending on what you're listening on, and take a moment to rate and review this so that more people can hear about yoga birth babies. Well, until next time, enjoy your day and take care. Namaste. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.